Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Charles Bachway, and today we visit Bridge Brew Works in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Fayetteville is getting a lot of attention recently due to it being the home of a new national park, the New River Gorge National Park. Well, Bridge Brew Works is a unique small brewery operated by co-founders Ken Lynch and Nathan Harold, along with Nathan's brother, Adam Harold. I stopped by their outdoor tap room, grabbed a beer, and sat down with Nathan Harold to hear their story. Nathan, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I try to get down here at least once or twice a year, and, and, and especially now that you've opened your outdoor seating area, and you've got a beer garden, a nice pavilion, things. What's it like now, uh, the differences between before you had that and now you have uh, Brew Pub officially? Yeah, it's been, uh, been a welcome addition to the community and especially kind of what's been going on with uh, the New River Gorge area and surrounding areas of Beckley and Summersville. Um, it's been nice to tap into the, the retail market and then uh, kind of be able to see our customers and our clientele uh, firsthand and get a feel for them and be able to for them to kind of experience uh, what we have out here kind of firsthand and that's really what we wanted to do first and foremost was to have it to, to create an experience uh, for the uh, beer consumer yeah and I think for folks that may not know or remember or hadn't been down here in the older days before you built the outdoor beer garden and all uh, you started for quite a few years since 2010 I mean the first what seven years maybe you you didn't really have it at what we call a tap room when uh, Ken and myself originally started uh, Bridge Brew Works uh, the idea came about for us just being a, uh, a microbrewery. Um, and uh, a couple things changed for us in our planning phases, just like just like any small business. So yeah, for the first uh, five years up till 2015, we were just a microbrewery. Um, well, actually we were a microbrewery up till 2017. Mm-hmm. But in 2015, the state uh, changed the regulations for a microbrewery to kind of operate as on the same playing field as a winery and distillery. Yeah, I mean, you could put a tap room in, or at least a, a dispensing room, right? Yeah, so we could do a tasting room, tasting room and yeah. then we could do, we could sell for tasting room, but we weren't able to sell for on-premise consumption by the glass right and i think that's something people not necessarily aware of that you have to get a separate brew pub license in addition to a brewery license in west virginia to be able to sell beer by the glass to drink on on the premises or at the tap room yeah correct so we then changed our licensing from the microbrew to a brew pub to be able to sell for on-premise consumption uh, so from 2015 to 2017, we just operated uh, by selling bottles and growlers to go. And then in 2017, we switched our license into the brew pub license to be able for to be able to do on-premise consumption. Yeah, and it's a beautiful place here. Uh, talk a little bit about what we're sitting in the midst of is this inside kind of a pavilion set, set up with open sides, but all the woodwork. Talk a little bit about how that came about. We had an idea to do um, 
just an outdoor seating venue, kind of beer garden, tap room. Um, and uh, contacted a contractor and friend of mine, uh, Mike Gray. The timber frame that you're looking at now is was uh, done by Eric Morshell did the timbers. Um, Mike did all the, the contracting work and we were kind of able to grow organically in this area was probably five to 600 square feet. Mm -hmm. And then in 2018, um, we added a patio out back that's completely outdoor a local uh stonemason dj johnson was part of that so it's been it's been fun to kind of outsource some of the labor and work with uh, west virginia craftsmen right. and women um and then we've we've just uh, done another addition on the other side <clears throat> um similar to this one uh it's a, a timber frame as well outdoor so it'll basically double our seating capacity uh, um a lot of the barrel staves actually all the barrel staves that we've used in the railing aspect were uh were barrels that we've actually used and most if not all of them were from uh were bourbon barrels or whiskey barrels or rye whiskey barrels from the smooth ambler distillery over in and Nashville. what nathan's talking about here is the railing like a fence uh wall almost that goes around the the room where the serving area is and it's made from barrel stays it's very unique i've never seen anything quite like this and again something worth stopping down here and taking a look at because it's really cool to see that barrel stave fence well nathan you guys have been in this business longer than most in in, in west virginia starting in 2010 what are some of the biggest changes you've noticed in the craft beer industry in west virginia in that time well, one of the big things for us was um, the alcohol percent increase right when we started. Um, it can expand your portfolio. It can expand your styles. Um, I mean, and just like I say, just like any business, I think you have to um, adapt um, mm -hmm. with what you have, with what the kind of the market allows, like in 2010, uh, with the hop shortage, since we didn't have access to hops or couldn't get a hop contract, that's why in the beginning we were, you know, kind of forced into the logger market, um, which I, which, which was good for us. I think um, that's kind of one of our specialties um, that we, you know, that we brew, like the Long Point Logger. And then it also, with that said, when the alcohol cap went up and it was like, well, what do we have with with the limited availability of hops, it opened up the door for us to do some Belgian-style stuff um, that we're kind of known for as well. Um, and we haven't brewed those for a few years, and we brought those back to the table this year, um, or triple and double, that we haven't brewed since 2017. And this is actually the first year that we've had them available for on draft. Yeah, now you're mentioning a couple of uh, beer styles, of course, that uh you guys do that really aren't that common the belgian styles and i know like you say you haven't uh, brewed them recently but they're coming back so talk a little bit about i think it's two main beers you do there in those styles yeah the two uh the the dunglen dubell um is one that we're uh, really proud of and it was uh we do make our own caramel um for the dubell um 
which I would I would assume we may be the only one in the state that kind of does that. Yeah, and I think that's a beer that a lot of us uh, know as a Belgian double. I mean, that's kind of the style. So it's a what a kind of a brown beer. Yeah, talk a little bit about how it tastes. It's a it's a it's a it's a brown it's a brown ale. Um, it's uh, you get you know that that kind of estery that yeasty profile from the Belgian strain. Um, mm-hmm. I get a little bit of kind of a Worcestershire kind of bite on the end. Okay. Um, and uh, it's been back in 2000, probably 14 or 15. It was written up in uh, Beer Advocate, did an article, did a write-up on the Belgian uh, double and triple. Um, so we were proud of those. Uh, um, we'll talk so a little bit about the triple beer too. Yeah, so the triple uh, we're real proud of, super clean. Um for the the ABV on it, which is right around nine and a half percent, the alcohol is very well hidden, um, super clean. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, we're really happy with uh, th- these are a couple styles that we've been kind of tinkering around with for the past few uh, well since 2010, um, mm-hmm. but we've kind of refined them a little bit and dialed them in a little bit more to to kind of our liking in the market um so yeah we've got them available not only on draft uh this particular season and i'm sure in in years to come but we also have them available in bottles we do a lot of our specialty bottles that we do in the 12.7 ounce bottles we do something that'll age that'll age well over time something you can buy and store in your bee. Well, um, I think the good thing is that people can come to Fayetteville, which is a, a growing in popularity, not just in West Virginia for our local citizens, but people come in, in here now from all around the country more. Last year, I heard business was way up uh, in the first year of the National Park. Maybe you could uh, comment on how you've seen or your experience with that, what you expect. So yeah, I think it's good. It's good for the community. Um, it's good for the the growth of any you know uh, county and business. And yeah, like I say, for us, we saw it kind of a, a front loaded, like about a month and a half, and then kind of back loaded a month and a half with mm-hmm. uh, you know bikers, hikers, climbers. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been exciting uh, to kind of to watch the growth to see the growth will you guys have to adjust your brewing schedules and things to yeah i got hit uh i i got a surprise order about a month about about a month and a half ago which um so we're 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 playing catch up now um just because in the winter time when we slow down a little bit i don't brew we don't brew as many styles just for so our styles can go that's why we don't brew like ipa you know a bunch of ipas Mm -hmm. in the late fall or early part of winter um it's just a market that we don't really want to compete with at that time but just because in the springtime we like our our products to go out fresh yeah well and also you do close your tap room for a couple months in the coldest part since it's an outdoor seating correct uh, so you really couldn't load up a bunch of beers in the fall to and then close yeah i mean we closed down here probably middle of december and then we open back up yeah. here well whenever the weather gets yeah well, this nice. year was the first part of march wasn't it yeah, which we really weren't planning on opening uh, 
we we were kind of pin pinning it like middle of uh middle of march yeah. and then we had that first uh we had like our first or second weekend that had 70 degrees so we uh we opened that weekend and then of course the following weekend it snowed and then <laughs> last weekend was nice and then this weekend it may snow again uh but last year we didn't open till uh, we didn't open till April 2nd. We were going to open April Fool's yeah. Day, but it, it's actually last year it snowed on April Fool's Day. Well, um, it's good that you're open now. I mean, that people, you know, can late March. I mean, it can be nice. Yeah, yeah. We give, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's nice for us to um, push the reset button, you know, with us just being a three-person show uh, minus, you know, our, our great bartenders and servers that mm-hmm. we have. Um, but in the trenches in the back, it's kind of nice to hit the reset button, kind of refresh and recharge, um, get out of town for a little bit. Well, you're back and open, and if folks come on down here 1st of April, what are they going to find on tap? Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got nine, uh, right on, right now on tap, I've got nine, soon to be 10. Um, the newest one we're going to have the a style that we've haven't brewed, uh, before we've got a Belgian wit, um, coming out. Uh, we didn't do it with coriander, we did it with, um, sweet and bitter orange peel. And then probably by the time this gets on the, you know, this gets uh, on its podcast, we'll probably have the rye IPA out, um, probably soon have the Maybach coming out. Those are, we didn't brew the Maybach last year. Um, be excited to brew it again. It was a real popular one for us. So, okay, um, Maybach. I got a Whitewater Wit coming out. The Whitewater Three River Trippel. The Dunglen yeah. Double. The Double and the Triple. I've Good. got the Peregrine Porter, which is our Baltic Porter. Right. Um, I think many people have had that one. That's a richly flavored, yeah, really so nice. Those, those three, the beer. Porter, the Peregrine Porter, the Triple, and the Double, those are all available not only on draft, but also in bottles. Um, so I have the Oatmeal Stout, the Shays Revenge. I got a Coffee Stout. Um, of course, Long Point Lager and the Mountain Mama. Those are the two that mm-hmm. we do year round. Yep. Um, I think that's it. Well, you guys were kind of. Uh, I don't know, I'd say ahead of the game in West Virginia craft market with your lager. I mean, yeah, it was a style. I mean, at that time, so you think of in 2010, like you couldn't even get, uh, you know, you, you couldn't get yingling in the state of West Virginia. Um, and in 2010, you know, rewind, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 12 years ago where craft, a craft beer in, especially a lager in the state of West Virginia but uh, yeah, it's just a style that we're that we're known for. It was a style that we wanted to make it kind of, uh, you know, the Long Point mm-hmm. Lager make it easily drinkable for an, an easily drinkable sessionable beer for uh, any of the you know for any beer consumer. And I think that's really like a, I think a lot of the beer critics and consumers, uh, you know, you can only get so many pale ale and IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, we're really happy with uh, with our lager. It's it's a great uh, compliment from you know someone from out of state comes in like oh thank yeah you know thank goodness yeah. a lager someone has a, a good lager on right. Tap. Well, that's what you know you're seeing that everywhere. I've been traveling a good bit, you know, and I've been in Florida and in Texas and where you know of course it's warmer summer there anyway or well a little bit warmer in Texas, but you know 
the lager places are the darlings of the craft beer market now. I mean, they're the ones that are getting packed. People all want these new Pilsners, these new, you know, traditional style lagers and, and true, to, you know, true to style, not necessarily flavored up like so much of the other beer market's gone. Yeah, yeah for the past, uh, and I've, <laughs> I've, I've kind of said this for for a number of years i think the the true uh beer connoisseur beer geek is gonna kind is gonna regress and go back to the more traditional styles like when i i know i know when i go to a to a, a, a craft right. beer establishment the first thing i do the first thing i pick out is either a lager a pilsner or a kolsch which we'll have the kolsch coming out or crux coming out uh and uh, end of May, but that's really the first thing that I go after is because mm-hmm. you you can't uh, you can't hide any imperfections in yeah. in a clean you know a, a clean crisp no that's well known Pilsner well or, known or a Kolsch so and we're happy with our our filtering you know our filtering technique we have a you know a lenticular which is which is great um, so it's I mean we have a we have a saying here that hazy is lazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's just, it's good to see, I mean, you guys kind of the lager specialists in West Virginia, you probably do more and more variety of lagers, and, including like a Kolsch, a kind of a lager styled ale. Uh, you know, you do more of that than most any other brewery, and maybe than any other brewery in the yeah, state. Yeah, our first, our first actual seasonal that we ever did here at Bridge Brew Works was, uh, we, did a, we did our black lager, we did the black diamond lager. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that was just kind of to debunk the, you know, the the dark beers are heavy kind of mantra. Right. So um, yeah, that's another style that we're kind of known for, like the Peregrine Porter. It's a Balt, you know, the Baltic Porter. It's mm-hmm. a it's a lager. Um, so yeah, they're they're traditional traditional styles. We put the the time and effort and 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 that's the and the big thing with those styles is is letting the the yeast do its work. Beer is easy to make. It's very difficult to make a beer consistent, consistently good. Hmm. Um, but for the most part, I mean, you're you're dealing with four ingredients. Yeah. So. Well, from my experience with our breweries, and not just uh, in West Virginia, but around our whole region, the multi-state regions around here, I find Bridge Brew Work beers to be some of the more consistent beers from batch to batch and year to year. Um, I don't know if that's just my imagination, but do you guys kind of pride yourself on that consistency? Yeah, that's kind of, that's first and foremost is, is consistency. Um, and that's really what people pay for. Um, it, people, people want, people want consistency. They want, they want to know that like, uh, you know, the long point lager, uh, you know, will taste the same whether they have it here or if they go, you know, to the other side of the state. Um, I mean, there's only so many variables that you can, mm-hmm. that as a brewer that you can have control over. Um, and there, there are some variables that you don't have control yeah, over, whether yeah. it be how it's stored or, or tap lines. Uh, but for, for the most part, uh, you know, we're happy and proud of our, our brewing processes and our cleaning processes and sanitizing processes here that um, when it leaves the door here that, that we you know that we're sure that it's the best possible consistent product that it can be leaving once it leaves the premise here well i know there's a room for tweaking there always is good brewers all tweak beer and beer recipes and and 
typically, though, once they get it dialed in and assuming they can get consistent ingredients, they want to make a consistent beer. I mean, that's a part of the mark of a, of a good brewery. And anyway, I think that you guys, as much as anyone are in our region, ha- have mastered that. And, yeah, and well that's thanks. appreciated. And, and those are still styles, like I say, we, uh, you know, the, 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 lo- the long point lager that you had in, you know, in 2010 is different than, than what it is, you know, over the, the, you know, the course of, of us being in operation, whether it be our filtering techniques or, or hops or, and even the, the Mountain Mama when, you know, when we brought, you know, Adam on board. Yeah, we tweaked the Mountain Mama where we, we were using our hop back more. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really all, on, you know, really all on Adam and kind of the accessibility to hops and kind of, you know, they're always coming out with these experimental hops. And um, but for the most part, the Mountain Mama has has stayed over the past few years pretty pretty consistent but we've we've added a a few um a few changes and and brewing it like i say in the past three or four years with the use of the hot bag yeah and And when we talk about consistency you know we're also i'm really more referring as consistent to the styles if it says it's a baltic porter it tastes like a baltic porter if it says it's a you know basic lager it tastes like a like a a German export lager or something. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. That consistency, you haven't varied so much like brewers anymore. I mean, there's tons of brewers. I'm not knocking them because they make some great beer too. Styles just go out the window. They don't, they make anything and flavor it anyway and any ingredient. Uh, so it's a different concept, not ba- better or worse, but different from what maybe you guys are a little more traditional maybe in the sense of how you how you brew to style yeah we're and i would i would say that we're we're old school we're traditionists we like to we like to brew brew beer to style i mean we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here i mean there's you know Mm -hmm. there's you know three or four hundred you know recognized styles of beer if not more now um but like i say we're we're old school I mean, I mean, we're <laughs> that's Bridge Brew Works, <laughs> baby. Old school. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and part of that old school is old Ken Lynch, the uh, <laughs> co-founder with you of the brewery. And uh, tell me a little about uh, working with Ken here at the brewer. Oh yeah, Ken's great. He's uh, yeah. I mean, we've we've got a, we've got a great team between uh, Ken Lynch and, and Adam and myself. I mean, we all have kind of our our designated roles here at the brewery and, and try not to step on anyone's toes all too much now you um, and uh, ken met when you were in morgantown right yep yeah yep. we met uh, when i was a brewer up in morgantown so right what there. got into you two way back then that you were going to st- get together and start a brewery um i mean when i was down here in fayetteville um well i had a ho- owned, a, owned a house down here just being in the in the white water industry and in the, the the fishing industry and was up in Morgantown just because of the, the limited breweries that were in the state. And, um, yeah, Ned Strasser gave me a shot there. It was when Barrett Goddard was there as well. So those guys, uh, they, they, you know, took me under their wing, um, learned, a, learned a great deal from the production side of the distribution side. And the, the nice thing about that environment was um, – it was just a two-person show, so you did everything from start to finish, just kind of like what we do here. We're we're hands-on at every at, at every step of the way, so in hopes that you know the 
kind of goes back to the consistency level, which is probably why we take pride in our consistency, uh, you know, our consistency in our products. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but, uh, Ken was up at uh, NIOSH up there, uh, you know, a craft beer lover, um, sat on, on his porch many times with uh, his home brew system, his brew magic system with Dave Rudy and Ned and, and Barrett and I when brewed some beers. And uh, yeah, we just concocted kind of an idea to bring craft beer brewery here to the state, kind of settled here in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Just saw kind of a niche down here in the southern part of the state that kind of was lacking and um, and just kind of took off from there. So, yeah, just like and that was kind of nice for us um, in a way with us just being a, a two person show was that we weren't a bar. We were just a microbrew. So it was nice for us just to kind of close the doors and hone in our skills. We're in a unique enough location um, we have a unique enough brand to make Bridge Brew Works a, a destination for, um, you know, the adventure seeker, craft beer, craft beer drinker. And, and I think and I think we've accomplished that relatively well with kind of with our outdoor venue and our diverse styles that mm-hmm. we have to offer. Well, I remember being uh, over in Cincinnati, uh, oh, I don't know, six, six years, seven years ago, I don't know, maybe more. Uh, Riverbend, I think, or uh, brewery over there. Uh, uh, Rivertown. Rivertown, sorry, Rivertown, yeah, Rivertown. and uh, running into somebody that said, "Oh, uh, we got a guy that works here from uh, that's brothers over in." <laughs> and yeah. it was the first time I heard of Adam. <laughs> Talk a little about your brother Adam Harold and yeah. what he, how he got over here. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, uh, brother, one of my best friends. We're we're very passionate about uh, what we do. Of course, just like like anything, all three of us may or may not see eye to eye. That's just kind of how the, the business aspect of it goes. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I mean, when you get into this type of business, you have, you have to have a common goal. Um, when I started at you know at West Virginia Brewing Company in two thousand one, Adam probably started at he was at Rivertown probably in two thousand three or four, and then he worked his way up to head brewer there. And he was probably there for better part of 10 to 12 years. Um, and I remember that brewery back then did make, in its market, very, very good beers and was very respected. And he brought that experience here. It's, I imagine it's helped you in several different ways. Yeah, he brought a lot of, he brought a lot, a, a lot of logic and experience with him where uh, it was nice to get another perspective and not just kind of be like, you know, where Ken and I, just like anyone, you get kind of, you get complacent, uh, I think, in kind of what you're doing because it's like, well, it's worked in the past. It it can, it can work now. Uh, So it was, it was good to get another set of eyeballs on what we were, especially someone with that much knowledge and experience. Um, And the, and also that not only the knowledge and experience that he had, but but also the individuals that Adam worked with as well. He came with a, just a, a whole plethora of knowledge that we could kind of tap into if we were having a particular issue with something. Uh, so it was mm-hmm. great to have that whole book of knowledge and people that, you know, and other brewers that you could confide in um, if you did have some, you know, some issues or hiccups or, so like I say, it was great to, and it wasn't like when Adam came here, the, the, the I mean, the nice thing about it is it wasn't like we're handing him a recipe book and then like, okay, this is what, 
like I wanted him to make it his own mm-hmm. and right. uh, have him kind of, um, you know, create himself here and not just, you know, here's, you know, here's the manual. This is what, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, Cause I want him to, you know, have it be his own, have, have him be a huge part of it. And, and he's really stepped up to the plate. Um, yeah. He's got some styles that we've been, you know, talking about for the past year or so that, that are going to come to, fruition here hopefully this year now i might be wrong but seems like shortly after he got here he did he not have a big role in developing the ipetus goza yeah that was uh that was pretty much all him um well ken it was the the goza was was kind of ken was started out as ken's idea um Mm -hmm. with the use of like jq dickinson um but at i believe think at Rivertown I know Adam has dabbled in some sours so it was that was that was it, his main doing too was to do the was to barrel age that Ipetus goes in tequila barrels uh, that was one of his uh, that was one of his uh, along with like the Saison we did the Saison and some Chardonnay barrels yeah and uh, those are things you still are doing right those barrel aged products yeah we've kind of taken a step back where we decided not to do any like uh, we may do some barrel aging this year. Um, we're going to take about a year. I don't know about a year off. We're going to, because uh, we'll still do some barrel aged stuff. But we're not going to do any like bourbon barrel aged stuff. Okay. Um, for, I don't know. I mean, it's, those are styles that we're, you know, that we've kind of cut our teeth on too. Um, but we'll, we'll revisit those. I mean, they just take up a lot of space. That's the flexibility of a small place. You own it. You can decide and make those decisions. And whatever you're passionate about, that's what me as a beer consumer wants to drink. I want to find out what they're making that they're passionate about yeah, this it's, year. It's you know? like, uh, like what, it's like what, what Ken, it's like what Ken always says. He's like when people are like, "Oh, you're not going to bring that back," and he's like, "You'll it'll always be like you'll, you'll fall in love again." <laughs> You'll, you'll fall in love again. But speaking <laughs> so. of bringing beers back, any chance that I think it was Pillow Rock? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned. I was because that was in the back of my mind. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah, Talk we about are gonna, yeah, that. we are going to bring the we are going to bring the the Pilsner back. Uh, I'm not sure. It's when. good to hear. Yeah, uh, we didn't we didn't brew it last. No, we didn't. No, I don't think year. it was out last year. Mm-mm. No, we kind of we decided to brew uh, a few more batches of the. the the crux the our cold mm-hmm. style um in place of the the pilsner and then kind of um overlap that with our Oktoberfest. um so yeah we plan to bring the 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 pilsner back the pillow rock pilsner will probably probably come in and uh i don't know end of august i would say okay end of august probably about the same time that's typically when i release the october fest well nathan well. will that be a traditional like bavarian style or munich style pilsner or will it be a more of a czech style i mean explain a little bit about what you're going to do with that beer. so the, yeah it'll be more of a czech style okay. um a little bit more uh you know a little bit more hoppiness on it um uh, we're going to mess around, tweak that one a little bit this year as well to more of uh, more of kind of the direction like all three of us were actually just talking about it. Uh, but, yeah, we like the spiciness of like the Saz hops. Okay, um, yeah. But kind of kind of tone down the bitterness a little bit on it, kind of uh, round it out. 
you know, it's got that clean, clean moldiness, spiciness on the end. Um, it'll be a it'll be a style that that you know has has a great cult following as well. Right, and as we're seeing across the country, uh, good, really top notch small breweries are getting into those uh, pilsners, the Czech styles, yeah. and making beautiful beers. And we expect nothing less from you. Well, I'll try to. <laughs> we. We as a company, Ken, Adam, and myself will try nothing but our best to appease you, Charles. All right. <laughs> That's good. So, yeah, Oktoberfest lager again come out the uh, end of the summer. Yeah, yeah. Usually I try to re- I try to kind of pinpoint those uh, the week before Labor Day. Usually I release, like, the Kolsch style, like, around Memorial Weekend. Um Probably like the New River IPA uh, shortly after that, end of June, like 4th of July weekend. Well, I tell you, we uh, it's always nice to uh, visit here in this beautiful facility and sit outside like we are today and have a little conversation about beer and about brewing and especially about Bridge Brew Works with uh, Nathan Harold and his brother Adam and also co-founder Ken Lynch. It's also nice to, to know that a brewery like this can make a go doing more traditional styles. It's great for the variety in the market because it's not a place you're going to come to and find the you know four hazy IPAs and some fruited up uh, uh, sour beers. I mean, not that you you're you're opposed to them, but that's other breweries are making them, and you, what you're doing is a is, is a little different track, and it's good to have that variety. It's healthy in our market. It's good for beer consumers to get down to a place like this and try these more pure traditional styles. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like I, I just like I stated earlier, we're not we're not trying to you know reinvent the wheel, and we don't. Adam and Ken and I, we're not the we're old school. We're we're not we're not the guys that are gonna chase the 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 trends and fads in the market uh you know you kind of go with uh, what's what's tried and true and 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 really what's what's kind of true to your heart and and true to your palate um that just speaks on who we are as a company and and individuals we're not going to chase the the next big thing that may or may not be there (laughs) leave that up to somebody else (laughs) <laughs> okay folks you have heard it right from nathan harold's mouth his story on bridge brew works in fayetteville west virginia so come on down here especially this summer and nice weather visit fayetteville visit bridge brew works check out what they're doing have yourself hopefully a couple of good lagers and a couple of good ales uh, nathan thanks so much for being on west virginia beer roads today uh, appreciate your the time you're taking Hey, thank you, Charles, and uh, yeah, to all the listeners, uh, come on out and check us out, and uh, Prost. Appreciate you guys. Prost. This brings us to the close of another podcast. You can listen to West Virginia Beer Roads on Apple, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.